Socrates says, It is because I realize this that I am eager to become your pupil, my dear friend. I know that other people, as well as this Miletus, do not even seem to notice you, whereas he sees me so sharply and clearly that he indicts me for ungodliness. So tell me now, by Zeus, what you just now maintained you clearly knew. What kind of thing do you say that ungodliness and godliness are, both as regards murder and other things? Or is the pious not the same and alike in every action, and the impious the opposite of all that is pious and like itself, and everything that is to be impious presents us with one form or appearance insofar as it is impious? Euthyphro, most certainly, Socrates. Socrates then says, Tell me then what is the pious and what the impious, what do you say? One of the oldest debates in philosophy, one of the oldest debates, debates in the very world, is what is morality? Where does it come from? Is morality something that is moral because uh, God said so, or does God say that it is moral because it is moral? This is known as the uh, divine command theory. Where does morality come from? Is, is, something, is something moral because God says that this is the moral thing to do, or does God say something is moral because it is inherently a moral act. And this is something that uh, scholars and, and intellectuals everywhere and philosophers have debated heatedly. Where does morals come from? Because they have created, I think, this false dichotomy that either God has to declare something is moral, so then it is moral, or this uh, what is moral is actually outside of God's control. Uh, because it is something that is already inherently moral, which is why God tells us to do it. But I think this is an, a false dichotomy. It's, it, it, it very easily can be both, especially when you read uh, like John 1. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was God, and the Logos was with God. God is a beautiful architect of reality, of nature, of everything. And he instituted a world that makes logical sense sometimes, because, you know, Ecclesiastes says sometimes the race does not always go to the swift nor the battle to the warriors. And I think that is uh, there is a beauty to God's illustrations of society. And I think it would be very, um, at least I would be distraught if I could understand God in full comprehension because then I, he would be like me and that would be a tragedy for everybody. But there is still a certain moral and logical order to the universe that God instituted that way. And the claim that um, God would all of a sudden one day, because he dictates what is moral to do, what is pious to do in the words of Socrates, in one day he could just inverse the Ten Commandments and say that uh, this is now what is moral to do. That would decry the logical order of the world in which he created. And so then you say, oh, well, that's outside. Then, then you're saying that morality is outside of God's control. Well, no, but what reason would God have to turn against his own nature and to the way in which he created the world? There's no reason, there's no rhyme or reason to do that. In fact, how can somebody turn against their own nature? Oh, well, then nature itself is against, is outside of God's control. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. All I'm saying is that God created this logos. God, God acts with logos. And he already has somebody who is trying to make us impious, that's Satan, so why would God try to invert what is pious? What God's trying to do 
is get us into a relationship with him. That's what Jesus wants. That's why he sent his son. He created these laws for us to follow in the Old Testament, but then we were not able to stand to those laws. We could not be pious. It was We are incapable of it. So there goes the idea that there's something naturally moral to do because God asks us to do something that goes against our nature because we couldn't do it. That's what the Old Testament is about, us failing to reach the level of morality that God desires for us to be at. And so to recompense that, he sacrificed his only begotten son that whoever might know him would have eternal life. That's the reason that Jesus came to earth, and, and, and we can even look, we crucified him anyways, which is what needed to happen so that his blood could wash over us and redeem us, and then we could have grace to live the kind of morality that Jesus, or that God wanted us to have, to be able to come into a relationship with him, so that we could get to know him. And when you get to know him, you realize that, no, he command. It is a, co- a divine command theory. He commands what is moral, and because he commands it, it is moral. But even if, and saying that doesn't necessarily exclude the other, because you have to look at it in the perspective of, well, God created the world, so, and he created it with a divine logic. So, it would still be moral anyways because it was created by God. And and looking at it as this false dichotomy is like, well, it's either one or the other. Well, no, because God is actually outside of his creation. So he could have created a divine law of morality, but just because he created it doesn't mean that it becomes outside of him. And he created the he created the the world and everything about it. And he could have baked inside of it a set of laws that are natural to do so. That it is natural to become moral. Morality is objective. And, but that doesn't neg- negate the fact that, well, God still commands us to be moral. Like, oh, well, what is moral? Well, we can actually look around and figure it out. We know inherently that to kill somebody is immoral. Is it because God said don't kill people? Yes. If God didn't say it, would it be right to kill people? No. It, it, it's a false dichotomy to say that, oh, well, it's either one or the other, because that's assuming that, a, it's like saying, oh, well, a painter is confined by what he paints, and if he paints himself into a picture, well, then he can't leave that picture. No. God created everything, So, and he created it with a logos. The logos was with God, and the logos was God, a divine logic. He created it into our very world, into our very natures, and yet he still commands us to do it because he knows that we will fall short because of our free will that he gave us, because he desires for us to have a relationship with him and to have a true relationship and a true communion. We have to, we have, to have the opportunity to say no. But And he wants us to live according to our callings. So that's what Paul says. He wants us to live according to our callings, and to do that we have to follow his rules, his commandments. But because he commanded them doesn't mean that he will just change them one day because he did create a a logical, coherent universe for us to inhabit. And to say that, oh, well, because morals are objectively moral, that means they're outside of God. No, God is outside of his creation. If I wrote myself into a story, that doesn't mean, oh, now I'm I'm bound by that story. No, 
I created the story. And so just because morals are objective doesn't mean they're outside of God. And it doesn't mean that God still can't command us to follow these morals. Like I said, I made the illustration. It's like if you paint yourself into a picture, it doesn't mean you're stuck in that picture. It's, it, it's, a, it's a false dichotomy to say that morals are either objectively moral or morals come from God. We know inherently what is right to do because we have eternity set into our hearts. So we know what is moral. Objectively, we do so, or we know so. We don't always do it, which is the unfortunate thing, which is why God has to command us to do it. So it can very easily be both. It is a false dichotomy saying that it's to say that it is a dichotomy is to say that God is bound by his own creation. It's not true. And regardless, even granting the fact that, okay, maybe he is, he's not, but we know what is objectively moral to do so, we're still commanded to do it because we fall short constantly, and God wants us to come into a relationship with him, which is why he says, if you want to be in relation with me, you will follow my commands. This is really a testament to our fallen nature. Even though we know what is good to do, we don't do it. Paul has faces that dilemma, I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. It's a testament to our fallen nature, not to the limits on God. So we know what is moral to do, and then God sets a set of criteria on how we can come into relationship with him, and those that is piety, following what God wants us to do, forsaking our fallen nature, dying to our fleshly man, and entering into what we already know that natural law says to do, that the very nature of reality says we should do these things because they are good, and yet God still commands us to do them, even though we know it, because this is the set of criteria in which we can come into a relationship with God. So folks, I hope you enjoyed this little little bit longer of a, a Dyadical Thought episode, but I'll see you guys on the next episode of Dyadical Thought. Uh, don't forget to check out the full show on Saturday.